Welcome to When One Thing Leads to Another, a podcast that takes you freewheeling down the great internet rabbit hole of trivia. Each week we pick a starting point and then who knows where all the twists, turns and tangents will take us. But we'll be sure to unearth a treasure trove of frivolous facts that will be as fascinating as they are, well, useless. When One Thing Leads to Another is produced and presented by us, Helen and Bill Rich. Our theme music is by Justin Mitchell. This is Series 2, Episode 17, Alfred Hitchcock. Now, recently we've been embarking on an Alfred Hitchcock phase, haven't we? We have, yeah. What have we watched? We watched uh, most recently... Vertigo. Oh, yeah, we watched and Vertigo. We and we saw then Notorious before Notorious, that. Notorious, that was it. And that's we, the one with Ingrid Bergman. And that's right. Rear Window, my favourite. Um, the Lady Vanishes and The 39 Steps, yep. amongst many others. And so I thought I would take Alfred Hitchcock as our starting point this week. Okay. And I found some very interesting facts about mm -hmm. Hitch, as he was called. For starters, did you know he had a fear of eggs? A fear of eggs? He had a fear of eggs. What's a fear of eggs called? Oh, you didn't look it up. Right, quick Google. You've fallen at the first bloody hurdle, mate. You've got to Google what a fear of eggs is. It's going to be something like of, of euphobia. Yeah, overphobia. Oh, it is! It's overphobia. Ah, overphobia. Well, Alfred Hitchcock had overphobia. Overphobia, it says, the common perception among registered dietitians and medical practitioners is that eggs are to be avoided, fearing that it will increase your cholesterol. Oh. I, wonder, I wonder, is that why he was scared of them? Or is it just that they're grossed out by them being obviously a chicken's period? I think it's more the latter because he is quoted as saying, I'm frightened of eggs, worse than frightened. They revolt me. Yeah. Have you ever seen anything more revolting than yeah. an egg yolk breaking and spilling its yellow liquid, he said. Blood is a jolly red, but egg yolk is yellow. Revolting. I've never tasted it. Oh, how funny. Yeah. Blood is a jolly red. <laughs> And actually, old Hitchcock was a bit fearful of a few things. Uh, yeah. Also, he was fearful of police officers, apparently. Right, OK. Um, and this stemmed from an occasion when he was uh, four or five years old and he'd misbehaved. And so his dad sent him to the local police station in Leytonstone and he was armed with a note that his dad had written, um, which he had to hand to the cop who read it and then he slammed the young Hitchcock into prison. Wow. Locked him up in a cell saying that's what we do with naughty boys. Oh wow. Which is pretty that's brutal. A bit, that's a bit brutal. How old did you say he was? Either four or five apparently. Oh that's really brutal. <laughs> that is isn't it. And of course Hitchcock is is famous for his cameo appearances yep, isn't he? Yeah he is. And um, We always try and spot him don't we? Usually fail. Yeah usually fail. And he has appeared in 39 of his own films. Right. I think the cleverest one is in the 1944 film Lifeboat. Okay, I haven't seen that. Right, so that entire film is shot on a lifeboat with only um, a handful of protagonists. Right. How the hell is he going to get his cameo in this? Yeah. Does uh, he have a shark fin on his head and he's swimming around <laughs> by the lifeboat? No, he resisted the temptation uh, mm. to do that. No, um, one of the characters opens a newspaper um. and in the newspaper is an advert for a slimming product yeah. and Hitchcock is the model on that, the Brilliant. before and after Brilliant. model on that. That which is, is great. A, which is a very clever way of, get, yeah. uh, of overcoming that problem. That's great. Now my favourite Hitchcock film is Rear Window. Yeah. And so I thought I'd have a little Google of said film yeah. and I found out a couple of very interesting stroke random facts about it. Okay. Now you'll remember the film is shot entirely from the apartment belonging yeah. to 
the James Stewart yeah. character, L.B. Jeffries. I think he's just referred to as Jeff in the film. Um, and we, the audience, along with him, watch the comings and goings mm. in the apartment block yeah. opposite. Yeah. Well, that apartment block was created entirely in the studio. Right. It wasn't uh, an existing building. Um, and it took them six months to build this damn thing. Wow. At a cost of $100,000, right. which at the time was the most expensive set ever created oh, uh, on a film set. Right. Now, can you remember all the characters in Rear Window? You might oh, remember no, there's remember. no there's Miss Lonely Hearts. Oh yes. Yeah, do you remember yeah, her? There's yeah. the newlyweds. Yeah. Um, who sleep out on the balcony, don't yeah. they? You've got Miss Torso, the dancer. Yes. And yeah. do you remember there's the songwriter who sits yes. at his piano? piano yeah. yeah and, he, and he plays the same piece of music yes. over and over again. You yeah. remember him? Yeah. Well, actually, he was a real musician. Right. Uh, by the name of Ross Bagdasarian. Right. Uh, who took the stage name of David Seville. And it was David Seville who went on to create the cartoon band Alvin and the Chipmunks. <laughs> <laughs> and it is he wow. who wrote the Chipmunk song. Christmas, Christmas time is near. So he went on to great things. He went on to great things, from Hitchcock to Alvin and the Chipmunks. Yeah. And apparently the way he created the squeaky voices yeah. of the Chipmunks was to experiment with the speed control on a $200 tape recorder from his right. family savings. Right. So yeah, he was tinkering around with that, and that's how he came up with Alvin that's and the great. Chipmunks. That's great. I was just having a quick look at old Jimmy Stewart because obviously he's in that film, Rear Window. Of course. Um, as well as Vertigo. Indeed. Well, two interesting things I found. He was so keen to work on the film Rear Window that he said he wouldn't take a wage. He'd oh, right. just take a small percentage of the box office takings. Oh, OK, which probably, probably quite a nice, being, nice little earner. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. And um, the other thing I found was that, did you know he had a degree in architecture? No, I didn't know that. Yeah, but because he graduated during the Great Depression of the 1930s, right. the construction industry was badly affected, of course, so he decided to pursue his other interests interest which happened to be acting right okay yeah which worked out pretty well for him yeah anyway so that got me on to other notable people who have architecture degrees <laughs> okay go on then when one thing leads to another favourite, Weird Al Yankovic oh, has yeah. a degree in architecture. <laughs> That's it, yeah. yeah. And three of the founding members of Pink Floyd met at London Polytechnic where they were studying architecture. Roger Waters, Nick Mason and Richard Wright. Oh, OK, yeah. yeah. Art Garfunkel oh. majored in architecture, okay. which explains the Simon and Garfunkel song Frank Lloyd Wright. Oh, yeah. He so was... Frank Lloyd Wright. Exactly. He was Art Garfunkel's favourite architect. Oh, very good. Yeah. And Ice Cube of NWA oh, yeah. got a diploma in architecture from the Phoenix Institute of Technology in 1988. Did he? As a backup plan in case his music career didn't succeed. What a very sensible chap, old very. Ice Cube. I've always thought that about Ice Cube. Very level-headed, very sensible. Sensible lad. Actually, I've got a little bit more on Hitchcock, which okay. I failed to tell you earlier. Did you know that in 1968, Hitchcock was awarded a CBE? Okay. However, he declined it, saying, quote, it did not properly acknowledge his contribution to British culture. Oh. And what he was doing, he was holding it up for something a bit better than a CBE. 
Oh. Yeah, he wanted a knighthood. If you decline it, it's not really going to stand you in good stead for getting a knighthood, is it? Just take it. Eventually, you'll get you'll work your way up, I suppose, won't you? Well, I don't know what his thinking was, but he he was eventually knighted in 1980, just before he died. And this made me curious to find out who else had declined honours. Yeah. And it turns out there are plenty. Oh, I'm sure there are, yeah. Uh, one interesting one was Roald Dahl, who sort of did a Hitchcock, yeah. because he declined an OBE, right. because he wanted to hold out for a knighthood as Hitchcock had right, done. Yeah. However, the Queen of England, old Betty, she didn't oblige. And so Roald Dahl died without any honours at all. Right, OK. Yeah, and other declinists, if yeah. you will, of the knighthoods. Yeah. Um, David Bowie said, now you're all right, thanks. Yeah. Danny Boyle, the director. Okay. Graham Greene. Stephen oh. Hawking. Oh. Yeah, he uh, knocked it back. David Hockney. Oh, yeah. Harold Pinter. Yeah. And uh, also the writer, Alan Bennett. Oh, right. Okay. And I found this something interesting about Alan Bennett. Yeah. Um, he was featured in the last ever episode of Jack and Ori in 1996. And I thought that was interesting. He read The House at Pooh Corner by A.A. A. Milne. Oh, how lovely. I'm Googling Jack and Ori. <laughs> okay. I used to tune into Jack and Ori. I did find it a little bit boring, but it was quite short, wasn't it? Yeah, um, I don't think I ever really watched it. I think I was encouraged to watch it by my right, mum, because right. I, I, I wouldn't read books as a kid. Yeah. Um, and so uh, she said, listen, watch this. And I used to think, oh, okay. Uh, and I'd sort, of, I'd sort of endure it. Right. Yeah, I see, I was an avid reader, so I didn't need some celeb reading to me on the telly in some dumbed down storybook. No, I'm joking, but I read to myself um oh very very virtuous of you anyway jack and ori ran for 3640 episodes over 31 years good grief yeah the name jack and ori was taken from an old children's nursery rhyme oh was it yeah. i've never even thought of this no i don't i don't recognize it at all i'll tell you a story about jack and ori and now my story's begun, I'll tell you another about Jack and his brother. And now my story is done. Oh, OK. I don't know that one at all. No, that's new to me. Yeah. It was said by a person who thought someone who was telling them a story was exaggerating it. Oh, I see. Jack and Ori tell us a story. Is uh, that like the old-fashioned way of saying Chinny Recon? <laughs> Chinny Recon. Oh, yeah. yeah. Jack and Ori tell us a story. Yeah, I think that's, uh, that sounds like what it is, yeah. yeah. Yeah, there's only a certain number of people of a certain age who are going to remember the Chinny Recon. Yes, that's true. Uh, did you? Did yours, because at our school it got evolved to Jimmy Hill. Oh, definitely Jimmy Hill. Yeah, yeah. oh, Jimmy Hill. Oh, yeah. yeah, oh, yeah, Jimmy Hill. Yeah. Which, interestingly, was one of my nicknames because I also oh. sport quite a prominent chin, as yeah. did Jimmy. You're not, your chin isn't as big as Jimmy Hill's. No, Jimmy Hill's chin was massive. Yeah. Do you remember that guy in Fuerteventura? There was a really drunk guy at a bar and we, we were sitting at the bar and he just laughed hysterically and kept pointing at you and saying Jimmy Hill. Do you remember? Oh, he was, yeah. He was from the north of Ireland and he just couldn't stop laughing. He could barely get the words out, but he just kept saying, Jimmy Hill, and pointing at you. Yeah, he, he you lacked got a bit a, browned off after that. Yeah, he, he lacked a certain diplomacy, shall we say. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I just Googled Jimmy Hill just yeah. to see the extent of his chin. And it is a mighty, <laughs> it is a mighty chin. Yeah. It really is. Um, and whilst I was doing that, I found out something rather interesting about old Jimmy. Oh, yeah. Do you remember back in the old, I don't think it happens anymore, but if a team reached the FA Cup final, they'd release a song. Yes, I remember it with great fondness. Go for it, go for it, City. Sky blue, 
Rose. Shooting to win. That was obviously Coventry City 1987 when we beat Tottenham Hotspurs. That's right. And we won the FA Cup. Yeah, you did. Well, in 1971, Arsenal released a song called, rather originally titled, Good Old Arsenal. Mm. And it was to the tune of Royal Britannia. And apparently, Jimmy Hill wrote the lyrics. Oh, right, okay. <laughs> and having heard the song, I don't think Bernie Taupin has anything anything to worry about, if you know what I mean. And all this talk of uh, about Jimmy Hill being... Uh, well, in, well endowed in the chin department. Well endowed in the chin department. And, you know, at school you'd say, oh, Jimmy Hill, if you didn't believe someone was telling the truth. Yeah. I wanted to find out the origins of, of all of that. You know, the... Uh, oh, Stroking chin, the chin. Yeah, chinny recon. Yeah. And some people uh, would say, oh, itchy chin. Oh, I've got an itchy chin. Yeah. And I, and I found an old Guardian article online. Mm. It was one of these archive things. Mm. And it was an article called Semantic Enigmas. Right. Um, and it's where someone posed a, qu a similar question, you know, what is the origin of this, you know, ch chinny recon? Mm. And in the comments section, mm. readers were pitching in with their own theories as yeah. to its origin. Yeah. Um, and there were some quite good ones. Right. Yeah, someone claimed that the gesture may be related to the custom of stroking the palm of one's left hand with the fingertips of the right, which is something that's done in some of the Middle Eastern countries mm. to indicate disbelief. Right. And the quote that goes with it is, grass will grow in the palm of my hand before I believe what you're saying. Right. And in this case, the stroker may be indicating that his beard will grow much longer before the suspected liar is believed. Oh, I like that theory. That's quite a fun theory, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, and someone else claims it originates from the kids' nursery rhyme. You know, the three little pigs? Oh, when my chinny-chin-chin. Chin. Yeah, the wolf is at the door and he asks the pigs yeah. to let him in and they say, no, not... Not by the hairs on my chinny-chin-chin. Chin. Exactly. Oh, yeah, that's also that's also feasible. Um, and I love this one from someone called Ajay um, from Brighton, yeah. who claims to have been present at the birth of the Jimmy Hill... Right chin stroking variant right. he writes quote guys and gals i can tell you i was there when the phrase jimmy hill was created it occurred spontaneously during a spot of banter between my mates pete joel and michael chalky white during a walk home from chiswick school in london sometime around 1975 1976 Pete, as usual, was delivering a bit of witty nonsense and Chalky, the wearer of a profuse bum fluff beard, started stroking it in the common manner of thoughtful disbelief. Mm. And then Pete said, you look like Jimmy Hill. And so the phrase Jimmy Hill and stroking your chin caught on first in our form, then throughout the school and then the rest, as they say, is history. Oh, wow. That's so funny that he thinks that it stemmed from him and his mates. Yeah. Chinny reckon, Ajay. I'm looking up chin and um, idioms. <laughs> There's quite a few, actually. Yeah. It's, it's a pretty popular part of the anatomy for this kind of thing. Take it on the chin. Oh, yeah. Chin wag. Oh, yeah. Chin up. Keep your chin up. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, I've got seven surprising facts about the chin. Oh, mate. I'm all over that. Oh, this is going to be good because it's actually from mental floss. Oh, yes. So here's number one. Shall I read you number one? Yeah, go on. The most interesting thing about the chin, according to Faisal Tawab, a family practice doctor with multi-care physicians in Orlando, Florida. He sounds like he's well qualified. Is that there is no precise answer as to why we even have one. Right. Prevailing theories include assistance with speech, to protect the jaw while chewing. 
or as a way to measure attractiveness when seeking a partner. Oh, right, blimey. Or it's a combination of all three. Oh, okay. Research to find the true purpose of the chin is ongoing. <laughs> there are critiques around all of the current prevailing theories. I love it. I just love, love the idea that there's lots of geeks in their white coats pondering perhaps with their chins, trying yeah. to work out what the purpose of the blooming chin is. Yeah. Oh, I also like fact number three. Oh, yeah. The most important function of the chin is mastication, chewing, yeah. and lip continence. <laughs> what the hell is lip continence? Well, I'm assuming it means you don't, it stops you dribbling. One thing I hadn't considered yeah. is that humans are the only animals to have chins. Oh. Apparently the closest thing to a chin any animal has is the elephant, but their chin is caused by an absence of lower teeth and a big lower lip. So oh. it's not a chin, it's a lower <laughs> lip. Can you think of any distinctive chins other than Jimmy Hill? Yeah, I'll tell you who's got a good distinctive chin that immediately springs to mind is Kirk Douglas. Has he got a big chin? He, no, it's not a big chin, oh, but bum, he's got he's got a really chin. he's got the really pronounced bum uh, dimple bum chin, yeah. yeah. Uh, John Travolta's got a bum chin. He also has a very impressive bum chin. Bum chins are more distinctive, aren't they? They are, yeah. I'm trying to think of prominent chins. In fact, I happen to know that Michael Jackson had a bum chin oh, yeah, yeah. surgically done. He did. Uh, because he preferred the bum chin look. Yeah. In an episode of Friends, they talked about bum chins, but they referred to it as a face ass. <laughs> <laughs> so looking at bum chins, yeah. apparently they're caused during fetal development. All right. The two sides of your jaw didn't fuse completely, causing the gap. Oh, I see. Another famous bum chin? Go on. Batman. Batman's got a bum chin. Batman's got a bum chin. Holy bum chins, Batman! Thank you for listening to When One Thing Leads to Another, a podcast produced and presented by us, Helen and Bill Rich. If you've enjoyed this episode, then please rate and review us on wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to subscribe, and that way you'll never miss an episode. We'd also love to hear from you, especially if we've got any of our information wrong, or you have some more fascinating facts about something we've talked about, or you could even suggest a subject for our starting point. Our email address is when one thing leads to another at gmail.com. A massive thank you to Justin Mitchell for letting us use his music as our theme song. It's a track called Homo Erectus, taken from his fantastical album called The Garden of Earthly Delights, which is available to buy from bandcamp.com. Thanks also to Acast for hosting us. Join us next week for another episode of When One Thing Leads to Another. Please note that all facts have been found on the internet and therefore we cannot vouch for their veracity. Mm -hmm.